Guard the Lieutenant Wharf. You step into my regiment, please, and bring a tricorder with you. Hi, Captain. What do you make of that? I am puzzled, sir. The only detectable bioelectric particles are your own. You did not help. I did not. Longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation Rewatch podcast every week of the Gregorian calendar year. We're bringing you an episode of TNG and all the behind-the-scenes stories that made that magic happen. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant Services at Paramount. With me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. Brandon, how are we doing today? Mitch. Yes. Coming off the heels of a uh, a General Gao's dinner. I didn't know that you wore heels. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a. I, I, I keep it close to my chest. I, I know you're self-conscious about the height thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep. Te- yeah. I keep telling you that it's not. It's not. It's the size of the man in your heart that counts. Well, I, I just I like to maintain a a, a particular height. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I, I, I suppose, and I know the the size of the man in your heart is also only like five four, so. It's a, a reasonable thing to be self-conscious about. Speaking of people who I assume are short... Go on. Martin um, Short? And <laughs> why would they name him Martin Short if he wasn't going to be short? That would be false advertising. Of the highest level. Like how... People with the, the, the surname Black are never black. That's true. Like right? um, Like Louis Black? Carol Black. These are white people. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. A lot of this is, like, for dowry purposes and arranged marriages, right? So, (laughs) you know, you have your son. Oh, he's Martin Short. He's going to grow up to be short. So if somebody wants, like, their daughter to marry a short guy, like, all right, I'm going to pay a reverse dowry here. And then Martin Short turns out to be of average height, and it becomes a whole issue. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What uh, what does Mel's mean? Um, well, it's 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 short. I mean, it's shortened. You know, everybody kind of changes things a little bit when they get into Hollywood. You know, you know how it is. How that how all that works. It's um, mm-hmm. I'm a little ashamed to admit it, but you know, the original name, my true name, is uh, Melizinski. and uh, uh. that's not gonna play. You know, anybody they're looking at who should I hide? It's not gonna work. So, right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So I mean, those. only it only works for a few people, like Whoopi. Right. Right. But everybody knows her as Whoopi. Yeah. We we have covered this extensively. <laughs> I, I um. Yeah. I I keep getting uh recommended Matt Walsh videos. Do you think that says something about you? Much to my horror. <laughs> I um. Are you coming out as a chud? And I watch every single one of them. Do you find yourself kind of nodding along sagely? <laughs> this, this guy's got some good ideas. He pisses me off so much. But you shill him. You shill him so much. I don't, I don't shill him. I don't shill him at all. You, you... D- <laughs> I suppose at my behest, but you, you downloaded one of his videos so that I, you could show it to me. Lest well, get... that was that, that that particular documentary was sweeping the nation. I didn't even know who the guy was before that came out. Do you regret your um, beliefs and actions now? 
Well, <laughs> the the documentary was worth having to uh, having to watch every episode he puts out now. It was a joy, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to just get the other side's perspective. Yeah, sure. On occasion. Just to have a more well-rounded view of myself <laughs> and the world. Uh, you know? Yeah. About- one, one, side, one side wants rights and the other side wants to kill them all. And, you know, we gotta... All right. We yeah. gotta respect both... To, to be honest, though, between Matt Walsh and Mary Lee Walsh, I don't think a Walsh has ever brought good <laughs> unto the world. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's just what they're destined to do. I suppose they both end the up Walshes. All Walshes end up opposing um, the freedom of expression of one's identity, <laughs> and coincidentally, trans people. Exactly. Well, coincident? I don't think so. <laughs> There's, there's something much more deeply seated going on here. Mm. Like, uh, what, like a tree? No, more like uh, a torrent of a popular film. <laughs> so I've had... The, uh... a... Yeah? Oh, no, go ahead. Go I- I've had quite the fun week um, watching the, the main events of the World Series of Poker. Oh. I, I look at it and I'm like, I know that from Star Trek. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's true. It is Trek related. I forgot. Right. So I'm legally allowed to talk about it on the podcast. Damn it. You can put away your phone from dialing nine one one. Um and it's a it's an enjoyable little thing. I, I subscribe to their poker streaming service for one month of every year just to watch the main event, as I'm sure many people do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but I find it extremely engaging. Um, and for the most part, it's just footage of guys sitting there for hours with their like heads slumped on their hands, and they're kind of like shuffling these poker chips together, and you hear like a constant clicking of of chips hitting chips. And maybe one one time in 20 minutes or 30 minutes, there's like an actually engaging hand where people are, you know, betting and raising and, and all that. But it's, like I said, it's extremely engaging. And um, uh, the, the final table, the final competitors of that event just finished slugging it out maybe 20 minutes before this very moment, not long before this recording started. Mm-hmm. And uh, the winner took home $10 million, which is a pretty penny. It's not Star Trek money, but it's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Just for... Well, that's that's kind of like like cuckolding. Watching somebody Sitting else there. win money? Yeah, you paid to watch another dude win money. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose that's not a wrong analogy. But um, what I like about poker and this... Um, uh, I guess the reactions to it, especially as it got popular about 15 years ago, um, is how it's kind of like, I, I put, before, I'm going to say this without an explanation first, but I put poker, writing, and beatboxing all in the same category. All right. <clears throat> Can you find the connection? Um, You like all of them. No, I mean, yeah, okay. All right, guy. <laughs> Fucker. Um, what I mean is that they're all things that 
people, stupid people, are able to delude themselves into thinking they can do. Because there's no prerequisite mechanical skill. This is a bizarre category. <laughs> well, it's it's true. Um, sure, okay. Because like anybody's like, oh, you know, I know, I know English. I can write. I can write a novel. Idiots sit down and they try to write. Um, idiots. We can, like, we can add podcasting to that. Too. We can add podcasting to that. But idiots are like, oh, I this guy beat. I can make sounds with my mouth. Yeah, boom, sure, boom, sure. Boom, 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 you know, I, I think, I, I think, um, I do think. Writing uh, is is the worst out of those three because mm-hmm. there's there's almost like an inverse relationship with like the stupider you are, the more likely you are to try to write a novel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One only has to look at the self published um, collections on Amazon to see evidence yeah. of this. Yeah. You know, one of the the guys featured on To Catch a Predator um, self published a novel that was basically a. Um, a play a how-to on... guide no it was a play on <laughs> that that liam neeson movie taken it was just okay. like that same plot but in a in a but book he, he's the guy who takes I, <laughs> I don't think that they see themselves as predators oh <laughs> but it's 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 kind of legendary amongst uh tea capists for how terrible it is um mm. as, as another self-published uh rag and yeah, writing I think is the most common, but probably like I said, fifteen years ago when poker got popular, and people saw somebody who just um, was an average guy win a couple million dollars, every Tom, Dick, and Harry is like, "Oh, I can play cards. I know the rules." And they, they, everyone lost a lot of money. And um, yeah, these these brazen shows of confidence in where it's extremely misplaced are are always uh, enjoyable. Have, have we? Uh, that is funny. Have we talked about cozy mysteries? I never. I have no idea what this is. It's a. Uh, it, it's just reminded me because um, we were talking about self-published books. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a genre of books, often self-published. Um, <clears throat> they're also referred to as cozies. Now, and is, is this like a cottage core thing? No, no, well, that's good. They're a subgenre of crime fiction in which sex and violence occur off stage. The detective is an amateur sleuth, um, and I'm adding this in myself, usually a woman. Okay. And the crime and detection take place in a small, socially intimate community. So like a and, uh, like a like a mm-hmm. desperate housewives? Yeah, sort of. Except like someone gets killed or something. That's that is desperate housewives. But, but oh is is that is that yeah. what that ha- AKA I, I the, the best drama on television of all time. Um but the the thing is, everything surrounding the mystery, um, everything that doesn't have to do with the mystery, like the filler, uh-huh. is just like dumb woman stuff. That's like, Desperate like, like Housewives. Or okay, then okay, then Desperate Housewives is a cozy mystery. I don't know what to tell you. I don't watch Desperate Housewives. <laughs> you should. Okay, you 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 have your approach. You're fast approaching a fork in your life. You can either go and watch Deep Space Nine or Desperate Housewives, mm-hmm. but you must watch one of them. Well, fork usually has like four different. You're, you're using some large forks. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> All right, add Voyager to the list, I guess. If you, you know, take the path less traveled. Sorry, I'm busy with Star Trek meets X Men right now. <laughs> anyway, so cozy mysteries, the yeah. dumb woman stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I guess relates to to you know the episode we'll be talking about today. Wow. Um, this episode is kind of a cozy mystery. It is. Now, what is your? Do you think highly of cozy mysteries? No, no, they're really stupid. They're terrible. They're written horribly, and but I, but they they have like a ridiculous fan base. I assume. And again, I'm I get a lot of this knowledge from my intimate familiarity with Desperate Housewives. Is that the core audience are um, you know just moms who both want some intrigue and a thread that connects to their life. So like when they they go to some random wedding, oh I've been to random weddings I don't want to be at. Oh, but this one you know there's a there's a bloody hammer found inside one of the presents and like oh. You know, whatever. Maybe that's a little too like, intense for the cozy mystery, but it's just here's, a, here's, one element of intrigue. Here's a few. I just want to read a few titles. Okay. Uh, on Amazon. <clears throat> Death by Spiced Chai. <laughs> just, just pack it up there. Like so, <laughs> Tea Shop Cozy Mysteries. Yep. A Dark and Stormy Tea. Ooh. Mind you, these are all different authors. Of course. All women? Mint Chocolate Murder. All women. Um, buried in a good book. <laughs> Cheddar off dead. <laughs> Murder by lampshade. Oof. Death and a dog. <laughs> these are like, are are these like Hardy Boys novels by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> I made a Hardy Boys joke the other day. <laughs> Why? Why are we both making Hardy Boys jokes? Uh, we're just a couple of Hardy Boys, I guess. Um, oh man, yeah, this is um, alarming. The this, this Hardy Boys coincidence, but more to the point, uh, I am just learning about cozy mysteries, but I already understand everything about them. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Honestly, the uh, the Trek audience probably lines up just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, just change the uh, the. The setting, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's got to be what Trek fans want. Like, yeah, oh, sure. And it's like there, there's, there's a non insignificant um, portion of the audience that's just schlubby white women uh, whose entire personality revolves around tea. Ah, mm. <laughs> and not even like good tea, right? It's just the fact that I that they drink tea, like that's that's sure. the thing. It's like, oh, I got my favorite tea cup. It says um, male tears on it, and uh, I take a picture of myself <laughs> drinking from it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what I assume is the audience. I would for, uh... I would add the requisite that they are um, at least thirty five with one point five children. Hmm. They don't know if I mean if if like a cat counts as a child. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean. The thing, though, is that the cat people, the cat women, are very often removed from the typical suburban trappings that seem to define this, right? They're not the ones that have a book club or um, get invited to weddings or uh, deal with the Girl Scouts. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're right. They're, they're, but you'd be surprised. Mm. You'd be surprised. But I, I think in general, yeah, you might be right. Man. It's it's worth mentioning that Death by Spice Chai does have a cat on the cover. That's that is worth mentioning. That changes the paradigm entirely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm just re- uh, recollecting Desperate Housewives, and I haven't seen that show in 20 years, but I'm sure it's still excellent. 
makes me want to. Yeah. Which pie goes with murder? Key lime. Twinkle, twinkle, deadly sprinkles. Oh, I thought the you, it was a real question because one of the. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because one of the titles would be like. Um, pumpkin pie with murder, and you know. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, but this is um, <laughs> this is even worse. <laughs> I can only hope they get to the bottom of that by the end of the this novel. This is this is awful. Uh, waffles and scuffles. That doesn't even rhyme. Yeah, that's bad. Um, high density of Fs, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I, I, are each of these like a hundred pages long? They, uh, you know, they should have made it truffles and scuffles. Oh. Hey, right? No, that's a little I could too write a cozy mystery. Truffles are a little too highbrow for these people. <laughs> the closest they've come is like truffle oil on a French fry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many pages these are. Let me see. Do you think it's more? This one was, this one was written by a guy. Three hundred twenty pages. Jeez, overachiever. Do you think these are more or less um, engaging than the X Men Star Trek? novel that you've acquired <laughs> well i don't see how anything could possibly be better than uh than picard meeting his alternate universe self now is the, are you talking about charles xavier with that mm-hmm. yeah i see that's not really his alternate universe self though no well it is it is in our universe ah, i see the uh um, right. which universe is ours like three universes removed is it ours the prime universe it was Prime Day yeah, recently. Yeah. yeah, right. I was, I was going to say that the Prime Universe is the one in which Amazon Prime exists. Right. And in every other universe, it's um, just Amazon Beta. Right. Do I have any more bullshit happening in my life these days? I always, uh, throughout the week, I think of all these like, crusades I want to I go on. On the podcast? During our, our intro here, and I, I forget them all by the time Saturday rolls around. Yeah, it's um truly tragic. All the all the great topics we could have talked about. <laughs> I could have sworn there was something else recently on my mind. I guess I'm in the same position you are, but yeah, talking, talking about Desperate Housewives, truffles. I, it's it's almost a shame we talked about another uh, off mic. Right. Well, my, let's just rehash this a bit. Your your hate. You want to go off for a moment? Oh yeah. So. Uh, popular popular video format on YouTube, the the video essay, which has um, um eclipsed its usefulness <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> so you know, a three hour video on uh, you know why Fraggle Rock was <laughs> the best show of all time or something. The hidden genius of Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and frequently. I, you know, it's it's easy to notice that the people who make these videos, the majority of them, have no business narrating anything. Right. Whether it's and, the, it's their their speaking, just their voice, their intonation, even yes. um, or their writing, their ability to bring their thoughts into yeah, a lot of things converge here mm. into just shit. And one of the things that bothers me, I think, more than anything, is when someone and i've noticed this a lot in video essays um when 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 someone pronounces another as another and that is another 
reason. And they're always British. Is a must. Yeah. They, yes, they're always British. Um, another is not is not a pronunciation for for the word another. It's not. Is your soapbox? Yes. I um I I fall on the other side of history uh, on the right side of history. The wrong side of history. <laughs> I I mean it. I'm I, obviously it's not a correct pronunciation, but I don't find it very offensive when people do that. Um, it's a crutch. It's a narrative crutch. What is it? What is it propping up as a crutch? Well, because it's it's a it's a transition. No, it's it's more of a summation, right? If you're especially if your example is like that is another, right? That's that's the end of something, not 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 a not a bridge. No, no, it's not. Yeah, no, it it's not. No, no, no. No, you're introducing another another example of something. No, in in that sentence structure, you just you just said that as a pronoun is referring to okay, something okay, that's fine, already been fine. introduced. Okay, whatever. But I. It's 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 an attempt to make the intonation more interesting without without actually having to try. Sure, I buy that, um, and I find that with a lot of these essayists, retard, whatever you want to call them, um, mm. there's key moments where they really want to make a point, and you can hear like their um, I don't know their <laughs> acting voice turn on, where <laughs> yes. where they give up any pretense of speaking naturally or really in line with the rest of the video, and then they um, said, and, and that is why Star Trek The Next Generation is the best of the series. When right, and, and, it, and it works. It works when you're a professional, but when you're like a squeaky-voiced, yeah, like beta male, <laughs> not so much. You can't, there's no gravitas to be had with anything that you're saying. <laughs> when, you're, uh, when you're a blue puppet, you know, not, <laughs> not so well. I, I a lot of it annoys me, and you know what? If you have your soapbox, I'm gonna have mine. What bothers me in video essays? I hate when the entire essay video. It's clear it's something that they are doing in like measured takes, right? They're trying to do a do an actual reading, and okay. it's got like a pretty um, consistent, again measured tone to it, and then at some random point it. It, it they record a take where they're intentionally like chuckling to break themselves up to like um accentuate the the absurdity oh, no. or the humor of something yeah yeah and it's <laughs> it, it, the idea is like oh i'm recording this live and this thing is so amusing to me that i broke up chuckling whereas sure. in the rest of it obviously it's just something you had to do five six takes of each time and <laughs> it's so uh, I don't know, fake, manufactured. That yeah. I, I see no humor at all in the, in there. Yes, I I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. It's like um, I I can't instead of writing a joke into this, I'm just going to laugh, and that's that's right. what makes it funny. And it's 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 even worse when they they kind of become like a character of caricature of themselves, right? Mm, mm. Um, hamming it up. Yeah. Because because there 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 are instances of this that are more subtle than others, for sure. Um, and, and the less subtle it gets, the worse it gets, obviously. Right. Uh, you know, to, to the point where you, you, you have a, you have a guy who's just like, oh my God, oh. you know, <laughs> but even on, on the more subtler, more subtle end of things, 
It's mm-hmm. it's the equivalent of um, you know, somebody just having a conversation with you, and they just start laughing while you are <laughs> stone faced. You know, you're not seeing any humor in the situation, <laughs> yeah, sure. and they're just kind of like slapping your shoulders, like, "Oh, don't you get it? This is funny." And uh, <laughs> the situation grows increasingly uncomfortable. Mm, sounds like 1984 to me. <laughs> oh, I memory hold that bit of new speak. <laughs> Did you know that Winston Smith really loves the past and that's why he really likes that coral paperweight that's in the glass because it's from the past? I haven't read 1984 in, geez, two decades. I was really hoping you would say, I haven't read 1984. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I might as well not, if I don't remember most of it. I was going to ask if you read it in high school, but, you know, that would have been like seven, six yes. decades. century ago, yeah. yeah. Um, thankfully, I'm told... We're living in 1984 now, so I don't need to go back and reread it. That's true. You know, I have a pretty intimate familiarity with that book. And, um, you know, there's a lot in there about uh, transgendered people and, um, you know, the the political landscape of Democrats and Republicans and, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. you know, the rigging of elections. It's a uh, true to life. An author of children's books who uh, who writes about wizards. Right, right, and is uh, ironically enough, um, killed in a in a witch trial. <laughs> oh, tragic! Tragic, tragic, but um, stranger Matt than Walsh fiction. Is in it too. <laughs> just, just uh, just there. Just Matt Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, I'm keeping an eye out for Joe Walsh, the guitarist for the Eagles. And to see if he comes out with any saucy takes. <laughs> you know what I really hate? I'm not the... Oh yeah, go ahead. This is not related to this. But okay. it's impossible to say that you dislike the Eagles, the band, because the character in The Big Lebowski professes his hatred for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Oh, I hate the Eagles. Oh, yeah, I like that movie too. And it's, uh it's, it's embarrassing. I, uh, I worked with a woman once who, a uh, big mistake. Um, <clears throat> and she was a big woman. Her, uh, partner. Oh, she wasn't a woman. But I don't know. I don't know if it was her husband or fiance or boyfriend. But whatever. she referred to um to him as her partner. No, I just don't remember because I didn't care. Oh, uh, you see, I thought that you were making a point. Like, she was one of those people. No, 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 no. Sorry. Usually I am, which I, I guess I can see where the confusion was coming from. Especially when her, the way her... that you, you, you labored through the word. <laughs> anyway. Her, her guy was. Um turning some some arbitrary age maybe like 40 okay and she she set up a big lebowski themed party for him because it's his favorite movie oh god this is something a fat uh, woman would do for what it's worth (laughs) and that's it that's the end of the story but it's just 
Imagine. Imagine that's you. Imagine you're dating that. I mean, I mean, he was probably happy about it, too, so it's like... Yeah. Either way. I I made you this party, and I bought you a The Dude um, Funko Pop. It's like, oh, honey, you shouldn't have Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to post a picture of this on Reddit on r slash the big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wonderful birthday with my GF. Speaking of Reddit, what's going on? Uh, any 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 news from Reddit? Why am I the one you ask about that? You spend more time over there than I do. I mean, that's the, uh, true, but you don't have to say it. The, the audience doesn't the, need to know that. We had some recent Bionicle drama. Yes. Um, I, I, I am not the one qualified to speak on Bionicle drama. That's you. Mm. Mm. you. You love those yeah. little guys. The audience might not know that know this, but I was uh, I was actually uh, a consultant on developing the uh, the Bionicle story back in the day, due to my uh, my pedigree working on Trek. Well, you had a lot of great names in reserve to um, lend to the Bionicle franchise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, Kohatu, Rock, Tuka, Rocknor, Lika, Maka Bluey, Hoblunga. I thought that was a Star Trek. I'm sorry, Star Wars planet. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> but if they, uh, if anybody ever checks the, um, you know, those little cylinders that used to came in, your name is in the credits on the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brandon Hobbs. Brandon. Or, Hobbs. I don't know. I might. I might have used the in in an alias. Ah, um, like that show hey, so with, with Jennifer Gardner. It, it might. It might be under Matt Walsh. The pieces are connecting together in real time. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the the Bionicle subreddit has been retaken, reclaimed. Good, good for them. Stick it to by, the charts. by our trans sisters. I know that many characters say trans rights, but more of them need to do trans rights. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I I every day I um open the Reddit app on my iPad and I look at r slash Star Trek and I think, am I welcome here? Is the readier room welcome here? And I, I closed the app, ready to do that fight another day. <laughs> but it's coming. <laughs> well, look, everything's going to be fine as long as we say trans rights, right? All right and that kind of absolves us. On three. One, two, three... Trans rights. Trans rights. Trans rights. All right. Trans rights. Now we can post on Twitter. Mitchell Mel says trans and right, and I did. I did say trans rights. I yeah, just yeah, said yeah. it. And now, now that we've said it, let's talk about some st- some statistics. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I um I'm never ready for the statistics part of the podcast. It is our most dangerous recurring segment. It's where uh, where all the truth bombs get dropped. Look, inconvenient I, truths. I don't care what percentage of the population they are. <laughs> that uh, that data is transphobic. Well, I mean that's that's just because Brent is. Hmm. 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 Um, I'm making a public plea, live on the show, 
for you to watch Deep Space Nine. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. You just you just came back from watching a, a video a essay. A video essay. Hey, I did want to make this point. I think that your caricature of the obnoxious uh, Englishman, British guy, mm. I think is counterweighted by the um, number of quality Irishmen making good video essays. You're just a, a big shame, eh, Stan? Him, um, this guy. Um, I know you. I know you hate Matthew Matosis, but I think he's quite good. Um, these 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 Irish, they got something in their bones that the Englishmen don't. That is true. Maybe it's the uh, the centuries of oppression. That might be it. Um, which uh, you know lent a lot to Colm's performances too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's. Why he kind of rose through the ranks so quickly. Right. I mean, he was never, you know, formally enlisted in Starfleet, but he uh, was chief engineer on Deep Space Nine. Somehow. Look, man. I guess you can just kind of fall into that job. <laughs> oh, you, you worked a transporter before? Yeah, chief engineer. All right. <laughs> who, do, who did he have to sleep with to get that position? That's what I want to know. Because the idea of of O'Brien, you know, selling his body to to get a promotion <laughs> is just very funny well, to me. <laughs> let's go to OpenAI, baby. <laughs> oh God! One of those um old admiral women that regularly pop up in uh, TNG. Where they're like, Picard, you gotta do this thing you don't want to do. And yeah, they, those old crones. Yeah, they're all crony. I think in What's, the uh... I think in the new newest Star Trek, they broke ground by having um an admiral that was a seventeen year old girl, which just proves that uh <laughs> girls get it done. Girls do get it done. No, all right, hold on, hold no on. We're, we're gonna here. make this a reality. This is this an open AI thing? Yeah, write write a script. Say write a funny script. <laughs> the audience can script. see in real time as we go. Oh, <laughs> ah, that one's not so good. Do it again. Ah, that one's not so good. Do it again. Uh, this one's kind of good. Do I risk losing it? <laughs> <laughs> Where O'Brien uh, sells his body on Deep Space Nine. So you got a promotion or a promotion. Uh, and then I'll I'll type O'Brien colon just just so we start off on the right foot. You've really learned how to work this machine. Let me guess. The, the... <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm O'Brien, and I'm ready to sell my body for a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little short on cash, so I figure this is the best way to make some quick money. I'm offering myself up for a one-time, no-strings-attached session of whatever you want. <laughs> I'm versatile, I'm open-minded, and I'm very good at what I do. <laughs> so who's interested? Someone raises their hand. Great. What do you want to do? Customer. I want to, uh, parentheses, looks around nervously. I want to spank you. <laughs> O'Brien chuckles. Okay, that's not exactly what I was expecting, but I'm game. Let's do it. O'Brien strips down to his underwear and bends over the counter. 
The customer starts spanking him. <laughs> hey, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm enjoying it. And that's where it ends. I think that was worth it. That was pretty good. That was uh, surprisingly good for what I think was the first try. of the... Yeah, that was the first attempt. Yeah, nice. I'll never get. I'll never get over. It. I... <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking Holocaust one. The Holocaust one. Yeah, I gotta recount. Oh, oh. I gotta recount this for the for the audience. Um, the prompt was something like uh, O'Brien and Bashir enter a holodeck program based on Auschwitz, and. Um, <laughs> Bashir is like teaching O'Brien about it. He's like, yeah, they used to bring all the the captive Jews and undesirables here to, you know, execute them in gas chambers and have them in concentration camps. And O'Brien just says, seems like a lot of work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that one was great. That one was great. I mean, my favorite is still Picard breastfeeding data. <laughs> And then Wesley walking in. Just the fact that the AI had the wherewithal to have Wesley walk in on on them. Because I, I didn't specify that at all. Oh and it was just God. written like so in character. And then I, I guess I guess another favorite of mine is the, the Deep Space Nine crew eating um what's his name? Odo. Odo, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the AI like vividly describes his facial his dead facial expression. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> oh god! The fucking good times, man. The day we yeah. the day we found this thing, <laughs> it was I. My life was ruined for a week. <laughs> Just up all hours of the night, <laughs> having it write Seriously. fan fiction for you. <laughs> I, I mean, this open AI thing. I don't know if we like really talked about it on on the on mic, but uh, it really does basically create whole new episodes for you. It does. Um, you're only limited by your own creativity. Right. And uh, the results are just insane. Obviously, we're okay, used... here... yeah. you got another here's one? one where Here's one where he goes up to Bashir and asks him if there's anything he can do for a promotion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's like, I mean, is there anything I can do, you know, for a promotion? And then Fashir just tells him to sell his body. That's not very funny. Oh, I really thought you already had a good one lined up. I was no, primed to laugh. It, it started off. It started off well. Mm. You're um. You're limited by the fact that you don't know what Bashir sounds like either. Yeah, he's uh. Well, I, I do generally know what he sounds like, but I uh... have you ever? You've never seen it. What what have you seen of Bashir? You haven't seen Deep Space Nine, have you? Yes, I have. What? <laughs> Are you serious? First of all, you made me watch an episode specifically. Oh, well, yes. Fair enough. And then, second of all, yeah, I've seen it on TV before. Trek was on TV? Yeah, yeah, surprisingly. We didn't just do it for ourselves. <laughs> well, who would do that? Who would do a whole production just for themselves? <laughs> I know, I can't even imagine. Got some uh, traffic in the neighborhood here. Huh? Some, uh... Cars honking. Oh yeah, you hear that? Hell yeah, just a little bit. It's gone now. That's but, really uh, annoying. I'm, I mean, I hear it. I'm not even pointed at it. I hear it by virtue of the fact that I'm in the same room in the same location. Right, right, right. Yes, I'm sorry. I forget. Sometimes I forget because we're both on opposite sides of the room. Right. Very. Like, I can't really see you. Very far. It's an L shape. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, it's an L shape. <laughs> 
I don't know why someone would make a room like this, but Exclu- you know. exclusively for podcasting, because what we do is we're you know, on either sides of the L, and at the corner, the joint is um, you know our producer, our translator, our candlestick maker, whoever we have there at the uh, our on science given consultant. Day. That's right. Yes, and the or our just, breadwinner, or just a couple of hamsters in a cage for morale. The issue is, if we see each other's faces, we'll get too distracted. Well, that's how we lose our immortality, if we ever gaze upon one another. (laughs) 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 That wouldn't be good. That wouldn't be good for the podcast. Just us melting alive on the show. We're actually several hundred years old. The second we see, we look each other dead in the eyes, yeah, we just start melting, crumbling away. (laughs) I have to compose myself here. Um, Do you know that sometimes people ask us questions? Do you know that? Yeah, I I think. I kind of remember, yeah. Yeah, so um, every week we have a question of the week from a fan. And uh, this week's question of the week comes from Eric M., and Eric asks, let me get this, hold on, I have to get my notes paper here, so I can read this. It's um, a letter, mm-hmm. it's a handwritten letter, and it looks like the writing was um, kind of scrawled in, perhaps hastily. And uh, it says, hey, Admirals, simple question this week. Why is Will Wheaton so hot? Just, mmm, 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 mm, scrumptious. Ah, mmm. And uh, that's a good question. That's a great question. So, I think what Eric is driving at here is um, kind of if if you weren't around at the time, you didn't quite see the um, you know, the Teen People articles, the um, the Kids Choice Awards, where um, Will Wheaton was really a kind of like a heartthrob for the the teenage girls. Mm-hmm. And it's um a sentiment that kind of lives on to this day because he looks exactly the same. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. Just a little more exactly bearded. the same. Little exactly. Yeah. Exactly the same. And it, not just the teenage girls either. No, also the um the 30 yeah. to 40 demographic for uh, men. Uh of men, yeah. 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 Um He's uh one 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 thing one thing you can't discount too, uh, just by seeing someone in a magazine or on TV, you don't you don't really you don't really get the pheromones, right? No, no, um, Dra- drifting through the air. Um, when and uh, Will Will had a particular set when he entered the room. Just people, the heads turned on an instinctive a particular basis. Musk, yeah. It was it was wild. Um, I know that in the fan club, you know, locks of his hair, things that he sweated on, were in a were particularly coveted items. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Scabs from his uh, disgusting facial acne. Right, right, right. And to be honest, I know that Will was quite the um, the feisty entrepreneur because he capitalized on this. If um, if a if a pimple popped or if um, you know just something cystic. 
cause some you know residue he was quick to you know rub that on some kind of tissue and, and auction it off yeah yeah will was actually the first person to sell his underwear yeah which gave birth to a, a whole trend um now if you everybody knows what you know and and a quote e girl is but um the e comes from the third letter of will's last name wheaton yeah, 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 and and the the prevailing vowel, of course. Right, right, right. But it's it's a it used to be a, a wee girl in, in honor, but um, with the advent of the internet, that got shortened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember back then it was uh, a lot of people would get confused, you know, before uh, before it became a mainstream thing. They think we were talking about uh, Irish midgets. <laughs> That's right. Which um, I don't think Colm ever really came around on understanding this one. He was perpetually confused. Yeah, yeah. But luckily... A wee girl. He, he just barely had aged out of that 30 to 40 demo, which rendered him immune to Will's charm by virtue of him, sure. you know, coming out of the womb at age 60. <laughs> just, uh... How, how old was Colm? That's a good question, because, man... Man, yeah. uh, let's let's look up Colm Meany. See when his birthday is. I I saw a year, and I see no way he was born in 1987. But that's that's the beginning of his tenure on TNG. Yeah, he was born in '53, so he would have been um, 30, 35 ish, 34 huh. at the beginning of the show. Yeah, he looks old as hell. He's always looked old as hell. Is the thing. But yeah, I guess he has, huh? What's wild is that if you talk to anybody about Colm, they're like, oh, that's the Deep Space Nine guy. More famous for Deep Space Nine than he is TNG. You don't say. Can't appropriate him for our own purposes. Oh, we had him first. We did, but uh, Deep Space Nine made better use of him. And his multifaceted talents. Well, I, I think everyone can agree... Um... His uh, his stint on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was probably his best work. I've never seen that show. Really? Yeah, any any anything of it I've never seen. Interesting. What did he do on, on It's Always Sunny? Just... I don't know. He was in the most recent season. Now, is, does that show have... Does it ever just have like a, like a curb thing where um, celebrities play themselves? Or is it always just completely its own universe? <laughs> All right. All right, let's not get ahead of ourselves and imply that Colmini is a celebrity. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't. I don't believe there's ever been a, a celebrity playing themselves in that show. All right, I don't know. I think it's the presence of Danny DeVito and how conspicuous he is that makes me think it's it's got that col- that Colm that fucking uh, curb energy <laughs> to it. Um, when it's no, no, no. It's it's very it's very Seinfeldian. Okay. Okay. It's probably the closest to Seinfeld any show not written by Larry David has gotten. And it's good? It's good. It's been the go- early stuff is at least. It's been going for quite a while, hasn't it? A long time, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now like they uh all, all these streaming services took down like the, the racist episodes. What? Quote unquote racist episodes. Isn't there like an episode that's it's something like the the gang gets racist or something to that effect? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is um, a shame to be robbed of that. 
I know, I know. I, th- I think there was a blackface episode and shit. This is like when television stations refused to air the Puerto Rican Day Parade episode of Seinfeld. Did they actually do that? Yeah, because um, at one point Kramer accidentally, in a slapstick fashion, lights the Puerto Rican flag on fire. And, <laughs> and he's like trying to put it out, so he's stomping on it in the middle of the street, in the middle of the parade. And um, all the Puerto Ricans are like offended, obviously, so they uh, kind of mob up on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that 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 episode never gets like aired in syndication. It's like uh, it's like how TV stations wouldn't air that Porygon episode, right? Which um, I know nothing because about. It was racist. It was racist because it, it gave Asian people seizures because of the shape of their eyes. Now, I, don't, I didn't know about that, like, the details of it, but I was deathly afraid of my kids seeing that episode at the time. I bought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought into the hysteria, and I what I did was I bought um, really tinted sunglasses, and I said, well, if you guys are going to watch this show, you need to wear these. And it was a mm. con- I'd leave the room, they'd take the sunglasses off, I had to come back in, uh, hit them a bit. It's like That's a pain. It is. It is. It's like, fuck. See, what I did, I, I went a step further and just joined a church, a local church. Uh-huh. And um, they, they had a Sunday school program where uh, they would make the kids read, I forget what it was called. Um, the Bible? No, not, not, not the Bible. It was, uh, it was uh, the, the Pokemon and Satan. Oh, it, was that a tract? Sorry? Attract. What's attract? Attract? Is that, like a th- is that like a thing you put in your... What's a, what's attract? Attract is a short religious text, sometimes in the form of a comic, that, um... <laughs> what? Yeah. Have you never seen these before? Um, it's like... Did you go to church? I've been to a church in my life. This is why you know this. No, no, no. I know this because of the internet. I've never seen one of these in person, but for example, there were a lot of these maybe in the 80s about the the evils of Dungeons and Dragons, for example. It'd be like a short black and oh, white shit. comic. Oh shit, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's like some guy goes to join a and d group and the next page he's like sacrificed Satan or whatever. Um, and there's a lot of these on many, many different topics and there have been for decades. Oh wow, this is great. Yeah, and they're called traps. I'm, I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading Dungeons and Dragons one right now. <laughs> you move fast, but um, it's it's all absurd because it's very, very, very obviously slanted towards whatever um, view they're pushing, and everything else is just painted comically, just evil. Yeah, sure, sure. And there are actually some hot chicks in these. Yeah, but I don't think you're supposed to jerk off to them. <laughs> <laughs> no okay here's a scene here's a scene with a with a woman hanging herself in front of dungeons and dragons miniatures and then a woman screaming no marcy you didn't have to do that <laughs> well you what i would really believe if that scene was like um like now i'll get 50 experience points or you know something like twisting the the game's verbiage into a Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Into a tragic scenario, maybe. Yeah, well, that would work. That would require them having to have played the game. In this, did like her character die? So she's like, I have to kill myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's what happened. 
You're the one with the tract I, in front I, of you. I'm just speculating. Well, these are these are just like individual panels from like a greater, uh-huh. uh, a, a larger book. Uh, which spell did you cast, Debbie? Uh, I used the mind bondage spell on my father. He was trying to stop me from playing D and D. This is like a a different type of pornography. <laughs> this is great. I need to get my hands on this. <laughs> wow, you're just uh, chasing the trends. You've already left behind the X Men book, and now you're you're feasting on religious tracts. <laughs> I uh, you remember the Harry Potter stuff? Yeah, I'm sure there were tons of these about that. Um, I'm wondering if 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 we get the uh, religious anti-Harry Potter group and the trans, a.k.a. religious anti-Harry Potter group together and have them duke it out, mm-hmm. who's going to win? It's a good question. Do you think they would unite for a greater cause? There is no greater cause. <laughs> <laughs> well, the greater cause is getting Harry Potter books off the shelf. Oh, I mean, the rabid fans have already done that. It's buying them so fast. <laughs> they keep flying. Off the shelves. Samantha, the Potter books opened a doorway that led untold millions of kids into hell. <laughs> led untold millions of kids into running into the wall at the train station. <laughs> yeah, how many times do you think that happened? Oh god, not not nearly enough. Harry Potter was weird. Um was in okay. <clears throat> but even even for kids, it was like this weird wish fulfillment that like every kid well not every kid, but a, a non-insubstantial number of kids convinced themselves was basically a like a documentary. Right. I mean, it's genius in that like the the chief character and I guess one of the other ones as well like lives with a normal household and you know he's got this boring life at school and he fights with his parents <laughs> and then a magical owl comes and brings a letter and you know you too you know if you leave your window open any day now an owl can just come in and whisk you away right 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 the uh the, the number of kids growing up with those books who were uh, devastated they didn't get their little owl letter right because it's they um, were 12 years old yeah is it 12 or 11 i thought it was 11 i guess it doesn't matter right it's probably who the fuck cares <laughs> yeah yeah um but <laughs> like again a woman telling a story <laughs> 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 but again the making it aspirational is um as good of a marketing strategy as it is insidious <laughs> yeah sure sure which is how the books managed to drag so many kids to hell. Right. Untold amounts, if this track Untold is, <laughs> is to be believed. <laughs> Untold millions, I'm sorry. It's actually it's like, a uh, pretty conservative number based on the, the final sales figures. It's like it's like Dragon Ball Z with Mexicans. You're going to have to elaborate on this one. Oh, you know, you know so th- there was... um, God, there was this episode... This very particular episode of Dragon Ball Z, okay? Where they um, went to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Mexicans just love Dragon Ball Z. But in this episode, so uh, we have Gohan, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's Goku's child. Um, And at this point, he's in high school. And he starts going out with this chick who's just a normal chick. 
right? Okay. I mean, I guess she does like karate or some some garbage, but she's a normal chick. But like he teaches her how to like fly and shit, and like they, they do like the 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 kamehameha attack or whatever. And um, you know, like a million kids out there were like, I could do that then. And they're all uh, Mexican. Yeah, and and they're all sitting down in the room trying to like manifest this like glowing energy ball mm. between their hands. I guess suppose that makes sense. I don't really remember that arc. Arc that episode. You, you, you're not you're not really like adjacent to this community. No, I'm not. I guess, but I believe you. I've, I've seen the stories. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there's a lot of green texts of people who um tried to confront their school bully <laughs> with a. Uh, with a Kamehameha. <laughs> uh, if you're in fear of those now that uh, kids don't have bullies anymore. Yeah. It's a shame, really. With, um, without bullying, who are, who, how do we know who to laugh at? Right. Right. Now, there's going to be a ton of um, directionless childhood angst that needs to go somewhere. And uh, without the scapegoats of society, it's um, can only rise upwards. Yeah, I mean, everyone's just going to transition. <laughs> Into worse versions of themselves. <laughs> well, that's implicit. <laughs> Alright, well, thank you, um, Eric, for your question. I hope to see you again at one of our, you know, regular crew and cast reunions that we hold mm -hmm. every three months um if you're like eric and you want to have us answer your question on our question of the week segment send an email to the readier room at gmail.com it's with a capital t and two capital r's or you can tweet at the readier room on twitter and uh dm us your question we'll answer it on our question of the week segment we're gonna take a break then we're gonna come back and talk about an episode of the next generation don't go anywhere and we're back. Back. How long has it been? A week? Since we cut? Uh, six yeah. days. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we're still on track to get this out tomorrow. and On tracked. On religious tracked. Uh, how you doing, Mitch? Uh, pretty good. You know, I've been um, enjoying macarons recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having fond memories of last week's World Series of Poker main event. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm fresh off the heels of a General Gao's dinner. So. <laughs> I didn't know you wore heels. Yeah, well. I play it close to my chest. No, no, they go on your feet. Oh. Oh, come on, you could have told me this before now. Well, I'm I, like an idiot. I thought you were a trendsetter. A trendsetter. Right. Now, is General Gao, is that like a, a sow? Like a female pig? <laughs> Word association! <laughs> ah! It's, that's the uh, the monkey on my back that I'll never be free from. Like like a little Yoda fella. Right. What? Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be on my deathbed. and I think I made this joke. I, I am having... Just I'm running in circles, but the senility is racking my mind. But um, oh, what's the joke? It's not even a joke, but like you know, the priest will be reading me my last rites because I am a very deeply religious man, and um, he'll say ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and I'll say bust 
bust. <laughs> you may have said this already. Yes, I, I think I think I've I've said exactly this. Like not even another variation on that. The same exact joke. Um, and and even back then, you you were you were saying exactly this too. You were you were worried that you'd said it before. Is this a, um, a Groundhog Day situation? I think it's I think it's more like that episode where Worf um, is kind of like stepping into alternate universes. Oh, my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's uh. <laughs> I was listening to uh, probably a video essay because that's all I, all we listen to. Yeah. And uh, someone cited that as a, a terrible episode. Yes. Um, I don't understand this. I, I mean, I can understand not, not liking it. And to be honest, I don't, like, love it. But I don't really get how so many people have deemed it offensive in, uh, mm. to, to Trek. It seems to I mean, me, like, know. pretty standard fare for, um, with this type of sci-fi that Trek deals with. Maybe it's mm. not, um, logically or scientifically all there. Maybe. But it's not that bad. Well, maybe we'll change our tune when we get to it in uh, three years. If we, you know, have the collective patience to make it that far. If we don't accidentally look at each other. <laughs> <Before then. laughs> uh, anyway, in the meantime... Did you know that, um... Well, I know you know this, but just as a uh, tip for the, you know, trivia for the audience, that old um, Jewish fundamentalist... Uh, tradition of you know having sex with a you know between a sheet with a hole cut in it that was uh brought together by us as a way to copulate without um you know gazing yes yes geez what was that two thousand three thousand years ago yes and it was um kind of rudimentary but you don't mess with what works Mm. it was spectacular yes oh god i still i still remember the the, the tight clench of your boy Poochie. Right. And I remember um, clenching my boy Poochie more than usual just uh, to give off the impression that I was uh, tighter down there to <laughs> hide my, my history. This is disgusting. <laughs> I, I, um, I, just, I just tore a significant amount of skin off my lip. Bleeding everywhere. Well, don't, don't hold out on me. How does it taste? When you when you <laughs> munch on that little discovered snack, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're bullshitting me, but uh, skin is one of my favorite treats. Oh, it's um, I'm I'm not bullshitting you at all. Mm. It's a uh, something that I do, which is the final sign of my insanity. Um, <laughs> is I'll take a uh, a nail clipper. But instead of clipping my nails, I just clip the skin on top of yeah. my fingers. <laughs> I do this too. <laughs> we are fucking insane. This is wrong, man. Yeah, yeah. You clip, you clip the skin off and you chew on it. Yeah, I'm sure anybody yeah. listening to this is just gagging right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes I'll clip a toenail off and go wash it in the in the sink with soap and water and chew on that. Uh, I can't. I, I I have an aversion to any nails entering my mouth. Well, I don't uh, know why that's where I draw the line, but but it is. Um, but I will just get like you know clip off a big toenail and just you know finger it as as a newfound toy. <laughs> <laughs> I like doing that with scabs. 
Uh, I, the scabs never last long enough before I, you know, eat them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's uh, let's wrap this disgusting shit up. Uh, remember me. I, I almost I almost read the 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 title that I had saved as my word document, which is not remember me. Right, but uh, it is inspired. Thank you. <laughs> Um, actually, remember kind of, me. Kind of like this episode. I do think that this is a uh, relatively creative and uh, unique episode of TNG. Yeah, yeah, it's a great bottle episode. Oh, which this is the kind of thing mm-hmm. that I would turn on. Turn on the TV. And, you know, like we're talking like old Trek. This is this is the kind of episode that I like. That like. Uh, made me like trek you know what i mean yeah i agree um it's intriguing unto itself it's a good dinner episode you know eat it and watch it while you're eating dinner sure yeah. sure and um solid performances more so than the typical episode despite mm-hmm. not having any uh real new actors yeah and uh you know maybe part of it was was that uh, gates was the only actor on screen for like 90 percent of the the show which flips the uh the ratio scene in every episode right right but she, uh, she did a great job yeah it was it was really good um the back end of the show now, was a little boring is this a is this a another gates reference cuz i don't have anything negative to say about her her back end her back end. Her back end. Her back end. Back end. Back end. Back end. Back end. What most people don't know is that uh, we had we had a code name uh, for this this episode while we were working on it. Indeed, we did. Uh, it was uh, Hosby Wylan. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, Wylan has different uh, connotations depending on uh, the you know the color of one's own skin, but I. Being the um, milk toast white bread man that I am, thought that it was more of a uh, a feminine wiles code name. But the more hip and uh, dare I say ghetto members of the crew were quick to correct me, <laughs> like Brent. Right, <laughs> exactly. Brent, who has is has famously been with it for decades. Um, mm-hmm. If to this day, if you ask him to do his uh, his black voice. Always, oh, he'll uh, he'll launch right into it. I remember he was developing a one man show that was kind of similar to the uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, The Nutty Professor Two, mm-hmm. Meet the Clumps, mm-hmm. and he couldn't get the costume changes down in a timely manner. But otherwise, the the character profiles, the performance, the voices, intonations, all that already worked out in his head and he can do it at a moment's yeah, I, 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 yeah i totally remember I, I think he had like a special name for it too he, I, he called it like a like a minstrel show or something right 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 and um that was weird because i what he told me the plot didn't seem to involve aging women at all so, <laughs> so i wasn't quite sure where that came from but you know i'm not the artist he's always ahead of the curve Indeed. Um, but not ahead of the curb if you will, he was behind on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the <laughs> rare to his uh, everlasting sugar in the rare L that Brent took. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, this uh, this this episode uh, uh, came to us from um, a random treatment, actually, a random script treatment from uh, a woman from from Idaho of all places. Hmm. Uh, she was an aspiring writer. Uh, yeah, yeah, potato country. Um, and and the, the the whole impetus behind the idea for this episode is that she uh, she wanted to stick it to her ex husband for all the times she called her he called her crazy, hmm. right? Um, and and we did pick it up, uh, of course, but um, a little bit of editing. Yeah, we pulled a little switcheroo. Hmm. Um, just you know, in the ending of it, um, just because the the writers' room operated on a strict bro code at the time. Right, they ever, we were all say. You know, not we, I wasn't, but I was, you know, I brought things into that room. Every now and then, every now and then. They would say, um, bros before women. Yes, yes. Yeah, we we hadn't, uh, rhyming hadn't been invented yet. Right. At the time, so. Well, they were writers, not poets. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, 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 this episode really is just a a crazy woman show. (laughs) This is, um... This was foreshadowed by my mentioning mentioning of Desperate Housewives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 really really good until honestly until we figure. I mean, and part of what makes it good is you can figure out the twist before the show tells you. Yes. But when the show explicitly tells you, then it's kind of like, all right, I guess we can wrap up now, and it's like fifteen minutes before the episode ends. Yeah, the introduction, the reintroduction of um, the traveler is kind of uh, weighing down the show as 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 the albatross around the episode's neck. I, I was I was uh, you know, really chuffed at the uh, the little little reference to Kaczynski, 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 right? The uh, the the scientist. Yeah. Mm. I don't. So I was like, oh, you know, that's a, that's a cute little callback. I don't remember. I remember them saying it, but I don't remember the uh, what it's calling back to. The uh, the traveler's uh, uh, Starfleet partner. Yeah, I don't. Do you remember Kaczynski, the guy, the guy who like he presented it as his formula and like got them all stuck, and the traveler had to unstick them. No, I remember. The... remember? That was the entire <laughs> plot of the episode. That's the thing. I don't remember that episode. I remember the traveler just because of uh, what a strange character he is, but. That episode's plot and everything else about it has been flushed out of my mind. That's nuts. Well, yeah, Kaczynski, is, Kaczynski was the, the Starfleet guy who was very, like, uh, he was an asshole, basically. Was he like, oh, I'm I'm an asshole and I'm so smart and look at my great research. Yes. And the Traveler's yes. like, oh, it's <laughs> it's mine, but I'm humble and beyond this. So I don't give a shit. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess we had to go all the way. And bring back everything from that episode. Right. It, so it, we brought the Traveler back. It would have been better if um, the Traveler was referred to, but not not seen. Yeah, sure, sure. Or may- I, There actually is uh, sort of a behind-the-scenes reason for this. Okay. Um, because it was a last-minute addition. We, we really weren't going to have him back. At least that's what I've heard. Mm. Um until i don't know i think like a couple weeks like last minute decision um the producers they they crunched the numbers they they figured out there probably wouldn't be a better time between this episode and um wesley's inevitable departure um for the people interested to 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 have one of our more uh infamous uh sleepovers with uh with will it's true 
I do think, though, that this is one of those instances of, um, I don't know, the real world affecting the art in a uh, to its detriment. Yeah, sure, but uh, that really is classic TNG when you think about it. True. Um, sometimes it benefits uh, from circumstance, and sometimes it's a victim of it. We, we've had a few solid seasons of, of people prioritizing the art over, um, you know, Sleepovers. having fun having fun with yeah um but every now and then you gotta you gotta let them let the producers you know clean the pipes if you know what i mean true 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 uh give and take right that's that's the that's what hollywood's based on yeah that's what they say right but uh depending play your cards right and it might be take 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 Mm. or shake and bake right which um was very popular at the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. although Yes? I forgot what I was going to say. Ah, Don't make me come around to the other <laughs> side of that L and kill us both. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, I guess let's just talk about this fucking episode. It, it's, um, it, it starts um, with um, not Wilford Brimley coming mm-hmm. onto the ship. But an alarmingly old man, all the same. Yes, but you're right. He does look like Wilford Brimley. <clears throat> um, yeah, he's he's. A crusher calls him her friend, right? But we uh, we both know that you can't be friends with old people. No, they um, they stop understanding human connections at the age of fifty-five. Yeah. <laughs> at that point. <laughs> the best you're going to get is acquaintance. Right. Maybe, maybe um, you know, weathered mentor at the best. Sure, sure. <laughs> He's my weathered mentor. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, like like a friend is someone who helps you with your problems, but uh, an old person, you know, you have a problem, they're going to be like, well, I think at home to watch my programs. Or they're going to be the source of the problem. <laughs> More likely, yes. <clears throat> Yeah, like, Crusher's already like, I gotta help this guy walk around, he's leaning on me mm. for support. Mm. And, uh, but... Yeah, but, uh, she goes and meets him in the transporter room with O'Brien. He's he's just yeah. much older than any character we've ever seen on this show. He's the oldest character we've ever had before. Him and that, um, reanimated skeleton in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that guy's name? I don't know. He played Bones. Oh, 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 yeah, of course. Of course. I thought you were talking about the literal, literal reanimated skeleton that Q conjures up. Oh, no, no, no. I was talking about the literal reanimated skeleton of that guy <laughs> that played one of the characters on the original series. <laughs> His name's escaping me. I don't know why. Oh, God. Who is Bones? Who is Bones Star Trek? I could phrase this better, but I'm not. Uh, Jackson DeForest Kelly, which is a name yes, I've, that's it. I've never heard in my life. DeForest Kelly. Oh, the Jackson is silent? Much like much like Gates. Right. He uh, uses his middle name for acting roles. Same thing with uh, the actress that played uh, Kira on Deep Space Nine. Hmm. I guess it's a Trek tradition. To change your name to be less ethnic. <laughs> I guess uh, I should have been I should have been uh, Robert Hobbs. Yes, um, Dicky, we would have called you. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> For no real reason, I guess. <laughs> um. So there's this uh, old yeah, guy. So there's, there's this th- yeah. So we we learn his wife has died through. Uh, well, before this, hold on. Before this, I uh, well maybe it's after. Who knows? But I wrote down in my notes here. Let me quote. Hell yeah, O'Brien. End quote. Okay. I, I I clapped when O'Brien showed up on the screen. Oh yeah, sure. I mean that was kind of the prevailing sentiment at the time too. Anytime O'Brien showed up, you were supposed to stand up and cheer. I have no idea how this guy became a quote fan favorite character, but uh, I also enjoy him. <laughs> at, at one point, we were considering putting in a laugh track, like uh, <laughs> only or, when... like, but not like an ooh and ah kind of thing, like when uh, like when Kramer busts into Jerry's apartment. Right, or two characters kiss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cole would have to just like stand there silently while the oohs and ahs kind of peter out, and like just just like smirking at the camera, mugging the camera, taking its money. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is an Irishman. Times are hard. So yes, through there's tons of clumsy exposition, where it's like, oh, my wife's dead, and the older you get, the more friends you have that die. Uh, he, he says he says they the he and his wife had done everything they'd ever dreamed of and more. Um, <laughs> and I was hoping he would he would kind of delve into that. I think that was a sexual illusion. Mm. Which uh, like it wasn't real. I knew I knew it. <laughs> 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 you knew it because if I if, if the shoe was on the other foot, you would do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not critiquing it, but I, I it's it's more of a frustration that I knew it and I was still disarmed by it. Right, sure, sure. Um, but yes, the less <laughs> that actually happens in the sexual lives of the elderly, the better for everyone involved. Um if if we were an immortal and still had our godlike young bodies, um I I'd, I'd be I'd be scared to to do anything sexual. Yes, it's um a key opportunity to break something or lose something or um smother someone, you know. Mm. That's just uh that's the risk you take for the love of the accidentally game. Accidentally choke the life out of someone. Right, accidentally in love. It's uh oh. it's, it's hard out there. Do you think um who's that guy? Who's 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 the who's the the front man for Counting Crows? Ah, god, Shrek, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> I, I like I like to imagine uh, he was like held at gunpoint and forced to compose that song. It does seem like a cry for help, artistically. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> Adam Duritz. Like, yeah, okay. It's it's the most like insubstantial, like just garbage pop song ever. And 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 you know this guy thinks he's smart, I, so like this isn't something he would write of his own volition. I'm gonna send this to you. It's a picture of him. Yeah. And he appears yeah. to be a white guy with a um a, a an African American yeah. hairstyle. Yeah, you've you've never seen this guy, huh? No. I, I've never been to I, a Counting Crows concert. I know you've I'll, been to I'll several. That, <laughs> I'll admit that I have, unfortunately. Um So when when they yeah. do this song in concert and uh he you says don't. Oh, I see. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was I was hoping that he would say love, and then everybody in the audience would echo the love. I'm in love, love, right? 
whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess they don't have that chance. Now, here's the real question. How many people go to those shows and are disappointed they don't get to hear Accidentally in Love? Probably a fair amount of people. I, I really do get the... And I've never looked this up or verified it at all, but I do get the feeling that he despises that song. Well, there's a lot of um, artists that have that contempt for their hits. And mm -hmm. um, if you're commissioned to write something for a movie, which already is going to be just a uh, pretty soulless endeavor, um, odds are low that you hold that creation in high regard after the fact. So <clears throat> here's another question. Mm-hmm. By virtue of both being, you know, hit Shrek tracks, are, are we supposed to uh, be comparing Counting Crows with Smash Mouth? Well, they're kind of on the <laughs> same level. <laughs> now, have you seen the drama with um, Smash Mouth in the, the 21st century? Yes! I think, I think I know what you're talking about. Like the, Where, like, the, the lead is, like, so wasted. what's wrong with him? I think he's drunk Isn't he, like, all the dying? Time. Well, probably of liver poisoning, but... Uh, I thought he had, like, some kind of disease and was also a, an alcoholic or something. That might be a driven alcoholism by pain, maybe, but the point is that at several shows, he was just completely wasted, and, uh... <laughs> yeah. Like, they would have a vocal track playing, um, and he would just kind of mumble along to it and heckle the audience. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen a few videos. <laughs> And they just had to call off the band because this guy just couldn't do it. I mean, I, I to still be doing Smash Mouth in the year 2021 well, it, is ridiculous anyway. Well, it's amazing for a few reasons. One, I, I know this isn't the truth, but I, the, the fantasy in my mind is that there's a bunch of guys that like really want to play Walking on the Sun. Because that's like their their highest artistic endeavor, but they're shackled to All Star. Um, <laughs> when in reality, it's just a couple of guys who get paid however much to come out, play All Star, maybe one more song, and then then they leave, and it's just a business sure. transaction. Um, where there's no illusion with them that there's anything creative or artistic about the process. Mm. Kind of like Kiss, you know, Kiss was always just a money making. Oh vehicle. yeah, yeah, that's true, huh? But but like Kiss Kiss has Kiss was actually like relatively popular though right Kiss was but that but Kiss themselves especially um, Gene Simmons <laughs> n never had the illusion that they were artists it, it, it is a shame they never did kiss themselves <laughs> that would have been quite I know they put on a lot of theatrics in the in their show but that would have taken the cake mm hmm and eaten it too. Yeah, there's an alarming, an alarming number of artists that were like, oh, yeah, I'm just, when I was a kid, I loved Kiss, and it, they really influenced me, and that's yeah. an alarming, fucking, um, Tom Morello, Rage Against the Machine guitarist, mm -hmm. who, like, extremely principled guy, very talented guy, very unique output, is just so in love with Kiss, and it's bizarre to me just uh the amount of creativity that is traced back to you know the product that is kiss yeah sure it, it really goes to show how no one knows what the fuck they're talking about ever ever yeah, ever yeah
Now it sucks. Here's a here's a a um a topic to debate. Rage Against the Machine in their live show will cover "Fuck the Police" by N.W.A. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this, that song has usage of the N-word. Now, is the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine qualified to use that word? Because he does. Uh, if if he if he didn't use it, then he'd be raging with the machine. That's true. It seems so. like a tough spot that they have landed themselves in by choosing to cover this song. Maybe he just really wanted an excuse. Made this whole band with his whole uh, a anarchist aesthetic just to go and... Uh... <laughs> just to say the N-word. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, if you want the N-word passed, first you must break down the walls of society. <laughs> and then there's no decorum to be broken at all. I, th- I thought I thought we were going to end up with like a troll under the bridge type situation here. If you want the N word pass, you must answer my three questions. Do trolls under bridges have riddles three, or do they work on a different uh, trajectory? Aren't those the trolls that that ask riddles? I thought that was a sphinx. <laughs> I know the trolls collect some kind of toll, but I don't know if it's always in the form of, you know, yeah, obscure knowledge. Well, no, 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 no. They only collect a toll to get into a boy's hole. I see, I see. So you, when you, when one is paying the troll toll, it's a, a form of prostitution? Sure, yeah, yeah. I see. Which, um, I guess when you look at prostitutes, it rings true. Yeah, you are paying the, the the troll toll for sure. Right. It's um, um what what has led me to this to this troll whose toll I must now pay. What's worse, the troll toll or the coal toll? Oh, uh, well the coal toll is uh nothing compared to the comb toll. <laughs> <laughs> Which we uh, all had to pay on occasion. Oh man. Imagining Colm's sweaty flabby body on top of you. <laughs> As he <laughs> as he gets spanked by some guy for a promotion. <laughs> hey, that hurt. <laughs> All right, uh, so we've made it approximately one minute into the episode. Uh, a new a new record for ninety five minutes or however long this is. <laughs> we um. Crusher takes this old guy to his quarters. Damon Wace, which is just a terrible name. <laughs> what's wait? What's his name? Wace? I think it's Damon Wace. I don't think it's Wace, dude. I am like eighty-five percent sure it's Wace. I don't think it's Wace. Hold on. Damon Wace. W a i c e. Dalen Quace. <laughs> you dumb shit. <laughs> okay, I was wrong, but really, was I that wrong? I guess not. What was it, Dalen Quace? Dalen Quace, yeah. Okay, okay. What did, I said, Damon Wace. I was right. Come on. He was in. Uh, he was in Dennis the Menace. Oh, was, was he Dennis? <laughs> no, but he was the Menace. <laughs> oh God. Okay. And just as quickly as he arrived, he's gone. Yeah. Well. Well. First. First, we. Um... We go down to engineering where Jordy is uh, 
just tearing the shit out of Wesley. <laughs> yeah, it's very out of character. He's riding his riding his ass. Yeah, he he hates Wesley this episode. You would think this is like an alternate universe story. A universe right. where Jordy's just an asshole, but no, it's but a, nope. it's a Trek Prime. And uh so 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 Wesley is doing this experiment based on Kalinsky's warp field uh research or whatever equation. For you know, whatever reason, no one really cares. Except Jordy who who hates it. <laughs> and Crusher decides to just stand there and watch him. Well, this um, is brought because... on of Damon Quaces um insistence that, you know, as you get older, you regret yes, yes. not spending time with people and Crusher's like, Oh, I have people in my life. Let me go spend time with right, them. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 sad that, you know, all the people in his life are, are dying off, basically, and he's losing so many people. But yes, you're right. Which is, is an important thing to consider. Which I think is pretty good. Um, the idea that, A, you know, this old guy has got regrets and that this would prompt Crusher to seek out her family is yeah pretty just human and um, it's, it's, natural. It's surprisingly ties together very well. Yes. It's 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 better than a lot of of setups that we get in this show, mm. <clears throat> and so so she's watching Wesley do this experiment. Uh, we we get a close up on Wesley that uh, the camera uh, doesn't pull out from for the for the rest of the scene because we see like a flash of light, and uh, we never see Crusher again. So the astute viewer would obviously assume that she has disappeared. Right. Um, but the the, the non-astute viewer, which is probably 99%, will continue watching the episode and, and be completely surprised by this. <laughs> it's a true mystery, really. Because um, then, you you know, in a lot of minds, we're like, wait, Crusher disappeared? She's in the next scene. Oh, she's fine. Nothing happened. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> 100%. But, I mean... And, and uh, let, me, let me read you this quote. Mm-hmm. from from rick which i of course found on memory alpha um your favorite website he says that was a very interesting high concept episode i thought it was possibly a little bit overly confusing you're fooling the audience a little and i don't like to do that we were looking at one world no they were looking at one world when in fact we were dealing with parallel universes and that was potentially confusing i mean i always know knew that everyone on set had such a low opinion of the audience. I still do, but it's very over. <laughs> this like takes it to the next level, right? Um, oh God, I like that. I mean, I'm not gonna. Yeah, it's ostensibly a twist, but I do like that it's not extremely overt until oh yeah, I like the last too. act. Yeah, um, and like it, like you even said, if, even if you solve it, you're, you're not quite sure. Right, and it's like you said, you can you can solve it, and most, okay, hopefully most people do, <laughs> um, but it's still it's still intriguing, and yeah, definitely, it's not if you have figured it out, watching the characters come to uh, the realization, or really just Crusher, I suppose, come to that realization is not a frustrating process. It's not like. Come on, just why can't you see this? There's no sure. there's no intrigue here now that I know. It's still interesting throughout. Mm-hmm. Which uh um, Yeah, I agree. I think is the the saving grace of the episode. 
Because otherwise it would just be fucking tedious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They, it's it's written well. Um, but yeah, she figures out that uh, Damon... Damon Quace? Dalen Quace? Dalen Wace? <laughs> <laughs> she figures out that Quace is gone. His luggage is gone. She can't find them. Worf was not uh, informed of this because she calls him into the room. Uh, and he says, all right, I'll order a search. But, uh, you know, if his luggage is gone, I don't know why he would be here. Um, what I like is that the alternative theory that um, somebody has vanished this guy and deleted him from records mm. is a plausible story for a TNG yeah, totally. episode. Yeah, and it's actually an interesting story, too. Right. Uh, if, if, if they told it. So... I don't. I don't think we should discount the uh, the idea of like having a potential other route to go down that someone like the audience might might assume is going to happen. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Right. For something to be a convincing um, mystery, there has to be a plausible alternative than sure, sure, than yeah. just the, what the, the the solution is, and um, that's what gives this episode a lot of its. Uh, intriguing air at least in the first half is, yeah like 10-15 uh, minutes or so right it's that <laughs> there's this plausible theory and everybody's taking it seriously and it's really presented as the only theory it's not um there's really nothing else going on to suggest that uh that's not true until like the the second or third vanishing yeah whichever one <clears throat> um took the fish with it the fish <laughs> well yeah that you bring that up and it's like um yeah the 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 very next scene they go to um or crusher i guess alone goes to picard's ready room right yes uh because he's the one who gave approval in her mind but he doesn't remember it right right approval for quace to come on board um specifically mm. um and yeah we do see that there's no fish and i, I think this was a particularly inspired choice by our fishmonger Right, it's um, um, it's silent storytelling. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, and 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 for the the members of the the audience, the ensigns who who don't know, um, it does stand to reason that uh, all fish on the Enterprise would be probably among the first to disappear because Crusher generally just does not like fish. And um, to corroborate this, all you have to do is just go read uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation medical records, exposed third edition. Right, and uh, that's. Medical Records Exposed was always a nice little series written first person from Crusher's expect, uh, perspective. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. You, you get kind of like a an episode-by-episode play-by-play. A nice little side story from a perspective you never get otherwise. I guess from this episode, but only this one. And, uh, for example, yeah, yeah. that episode with um, where she brought someone back from the dead early in season one, maybe two. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing that from her perspective, where uh, it just confirms that she had the power of God, I think that's a quote. You know, I felt like a god when he opened his yeah. eyes back up, and uh, yeah, just elucidates on things. And it also launched into like a kind of side story throughout uh, the entire book about how she was going to try to uh, alchemically recreate her dead husband. Right, right. She just needed something from Wesley for the exchange, but. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but you know. Right, yeah, yeah. It's uh it's very exciting stuff. It is. It is. 
I it's one of the few you know uh, aspects entries into the apocrypha that I have enjoyed and <laughs> don't hold in extreme contempt. <laughs> it's that and the uh, the the Q Luxwana novel. Right, right, yeah, that, that was that was a masterpiece. <laughs> Luxwana, by the way, being a <laughs> word that is miraculously spelled without a Q. So anyway, what? Um, <laughs> um, I one th- yeah, one one, one thread that runs through this episode that I enjoy is yeah. the constant demonstration of the implicit trust Picard has for Crusher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's never a story of the people on the Enterprise or Picard accusing Crusher of going crazy and um trying to you know restrain her or whatever um right everybody always shows that you know and i guess this is part of the uh the no conflict thing but they show that they do trust her and that uh her word even against all physical evidence is enough for them to re-examine things even if there is some doubt they still go through with it yeah they waver and picard himself wavers but always comes to the conclusion that you know you better just trust her right um, which I liked. Yeah, it's yeah. There's enough drama of the self doubt from Crusher, right? Because she's always the one. She asks Troy later on, "Am I crazy?" Um, she's having a bit of a breakdown at times, and you get that. You get the doubt. It's just coming from within. So, at that point, it would be a little unnecessary to make that part of the story of the the rest of the crew uh, turning on her in some way. Yeah, it would be too much. Right. And I'm always down for the uh, Picard-Crusher pairing. I mean, that's highlighted very much later on, which we'll get to. Crushard. Crushard, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I always uh, always refer to it as Pucker. (laughs) Yeah, Picard. Uh, Picard's basically a, a immediate reaction to this guy disappearing, uh, despite not knowing any of uh, what's going on. Apparently, um, is to uh, you know immediately launch an investigation, like a shipwide investigation. Right. He, he immediately yeah. suspects that there's a conspiracy afoot. Yeah. So they go talk to O'Brien, who uh, doesn't remember anything. Right, and, uh, which his, is a... his, his recollection is that she just walked into the, the, the transport room and looked around and then walked out. <laughs> well, I I don't know what it is, but I just anytime O'Brien is on screen, I just start standing and clapping. Clapping, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Comb, 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 meanie. Um, you have to forgive me. I just got distracted by. Somebody yelling at me on Twitter. Oh, what happened? Oh, it's 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 nothing for your pretty little head to worry about, but it uh-huh. it is um, worth delving into when we have a free moment after the show. Okay. <laughs> um. <clears throat> all right. So then, uh, then the next vanishing happens, I believe. Well, no. Well, well, well you first uh, here, and here's here's how we get to there. Crusher 
uh, decides to, she consults with Picard, decides to examine O'Brien to figure out if there's something wrong with him. Right. Because Which is a healthy suspicion. The only one who she knows saw Quay... Damon Quace. Quace. And, um... We, we, we don't uh, we don't get much of uh, O'Brien's iconic hatred for doctors here, <laughs> right? <laughs> we we get he's, he's he's a little bit uh, uh, resistant, but he's mostly just written uh, like a child. He's like because Crusher's like O'Brien, I want <laughs> I want you to go through this medical procedure, and O'Brien says, "But I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna." <laughs> yeah, and uh, Crusher calls for. Her assistants, uh, one of them notably being Doctor Salar, uh, my my favorite Trek woman, right? And uh, and uh, they're gone. It's it's amazing that Salar has been on this ship for so long, and we just never see her. I see her every night when I close my eyes. Mm. But yes, they are gone. They've vanished. So now, now the stakes have heightened. Yeah, pe- more people are vanishing. And it very quickly gets to the point where, like, 800 people are missing, like, immediately. <laughs> Which is, I guess, one of the things that I I didn't particularly care for in this episode, is how quickly... The, the, the stakes ramp up, like, immediately. Right. First, it's one guy and two fish, and then it's 800 people. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Frakes, Frakes does the eye thing at Crusher as if he doesn't believe her, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, it was too, that was too hostile, I thought, yeah. relative to the tone, but... Um, I think it would have been better if it was felt more than said. Like if there was some sure. some way before the revelation that 800 people are now missing, that with the amount of people in the background shots or um, just something. 10 forward. Use 10 forward for this. That's a really good idea. Um, where the audience could feel that because that's a, that's what, if there's a thousand, that's like 80% of the crew. So for it to not be noticeable until it's verbally said is uh, a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Although you probably couldn't have Guinan in an episode like this because she would notice it immediately. That's true. Uh, but you just have Guinan vanish, right? Um, you, yeah, 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 sure. Like uh, Crusher, who's stressed out, is like, ah, well, I'm going to have a drink. And she's sitting in 10 forward and it's, there's like one or two people there. And like, she's like, oh, I got to use, I got to ask the replicator myself. That's weird. Where's the, the staff? Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something like that. I don't know. But this is uh, where we get the first... What would have been... See, I guess in the first version of the script, they had a little bit of this by invoking Troy. Because right? mm-hmm. she's like, this is. I'm going to go talk to Troy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes and talks to Picard in the ready room again. And right. then she says, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll go talk to Troy. Because she, now he's starting to sort of... Like, the seeds of doubt are being planted among the crew, whether or not Crusher is, like, really right. okay. And she wants to assuage those concerns. She's I'll see the therapist. But in the, the first version of the script, when she says, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go talk to Troy, don't worry. This is where Picard would have that moment of, you know, Troy? Who's that? And mm-hmm. uh, it would kind of land harder for the audience. But in test screenings, we found that audiences responded too positively to that revelation yep. that Troy was gone. And it wasn't as dramatic as we would have hoped. So we reworked it, had that scene with Worf, the mention of Worf later on. Yeah, later on, yeah. Yeah, uh, a, a few showings. We had we had rooms of people break down crying over that. 
Yeah, the Wharf one. Yeah, the Wharf one. Yeah, I mean, basically the same audiences that all collectively fist pumped in the first iteration were uh, struck. Yeah, with, devastated. With, yeah. Uh, one one woman, I, I remember there was there was a whole thing uh, threatened to kill herself. We right. had to evacuate the entire room. Well, she broke that two way glass and held a uh, a shard of it up to her throat. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was nice because when she was holding it up to her throat, it still looked like a mirror. You couldn't see through it, but the throat could see you. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And you know, you got to be really strong to break that glass, right? I was uh, kind of uh, kind of turned on. She hulked out. She hulked out. I mean, those are some genetics I'd like to pass down. Well, I mean, she would pass them down. You you would just be a witness to the whole ordeal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then when she uh, you know, threatened to kill herself over this Klingon, that's, uh, that's how I met your mother, kids. <laughs> I knew that day that she needed to have my children, and you're telling this to like a like a a hulked out seven foot tall superhuman. <laughs> it's like that's your kid. <laughs> telling it to a a Klingon. <laughs> oh God, the way um, Worf says Captain, but Father. <laughs> <laughs> father. Uh, <laughs> so um then there's another vanishing and it's like down to like a hundred something people because right. they're having like a meeting right yeah because wharf is gone now right and this is where troy and uh, Riker. no what is crusher <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> crusher alludes to her staff She's like there's nobody there there should be two members of my staff on at all times and data manages to be incredulous despite his um you know lack of emotions and sure. says doctor you don't have any staff and uh it's like what only one person is supposed to service 200 people which was you know another line taken from fan fiction but um, <laughs> so well i i do have to note that i think i think Riker initiates this he's like is that a problem doctor something like that he's just aggressive going full aggro he's, he's very aggressive very Riker, aggressive. <laughs> Riker's uh, sole purpose is to um, be a, a prodder and instigate a nagger. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. Careful. Uh, one who negs. <clears throat> Ooh, there's, um, I'm not going to go on with this, but <laughs> I, I need a water. You, you, you pick up. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, the the entire crew is really starting to doubt her now. Uh, Riker does the eye thing. Um, I want to say at this point she goes back to uh, medical. Oh, and this, this is, is where, where the she rift. first sees the rift, yeah. Yeah. And um, a lot of people are surprised when I tell them this, but most of the budget for this episode actually went towards getting an industrial fan large enough to blow Gates um to the other side of the set right you know lift your feet off the ground because we would use that later but this is it at like half power i think it's difficult to localize a storm but this is largely why it had to be a bottle episode yeah 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 how much of the resources went towards just that effect it came out great though um in the end 
but uh yeah so so she sees the the rift she assumes now that this is where people are disappearing to right which makes sense you know this rift opens up um and i think this making sense of people disappearing into this rift is a good little bit of obfuscation of the true cause yeah 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 which obviously which is obvious based on what we saw before but introducing enough doubt where there's still intrigue in the the phenomenon yeah it's it's this is this is one thing that is paced very well i liked it Mm. and uh things very very quickly continue to get worse and worse and uh crusher goes to the bridge and it's just Picard sitting there like a dumbass. <laughs> Which is equal parts um, interesting and, and humorous. Yeah. Um, I know that, I think Rick came to us with this idea. This was the idea of Crusher and Picard helming the Enterprise by themselves was in one of his favorite fan fictions. Um, yeah, yeah. Because he was a big shipper. Um, I think, yeah, he, he, I think he also referred to it as Pucker. Maybe that's where I got it. Um, but he loved Pucker stories. And um, I think the one that this was a- adapted from, inspired by, whatever you want to call it, um, Crusher, I Hardly Know Her, was um, mm-hmm. the title. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, that was a classic. That got passed around a lot back then. Yeah, that was like that. chief on the Usenet boards. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we can't officially attribute it to that for legal reasons, but Rick was very enthusiastic about this. Um, we, we took inspiration. We cut out a lot of the, what do you call them, H scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so we could get past the censors, of course. Right. Well, the censors. The censors, yeah. But yeah, two people alone on the Enterprise. Yes, a yes, lot and, of and, tension. And Crusher is kind of at her wit's end because now, at this particular point, Picard really doesn't believe her. Um, Crusher's running around like like mad because everyone's disappeared. She starts, uh, you know, listing off all the people that Picard should know. Um, interesting tidbit: she lists their names from uh, most white to least white, um, which is why O'Brien appears smack dab in the middle. He's a good and, uh, um, bridge. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's that's why Wesley appears uh, last. Hmm. We always uh, said he was the blackest white boy we'd ever known. Well, Wesley, Will, was just less than human. <laughs> um, and eventually, I guess, it calms down for no real particular reason. Picard's just like, all right, fine. Well, again, this is that Im- implicit trust. Right? right, right, sure, sure. So he, he agrees that... Uh, They'll go to the starbase and uh, try Contact to... the. Uh... Oh yeah, we didn't talk about Wesley disappearing. Well, it's... because like right right before this, she talks to Wesley about that uh, the traveler. Yes, and, and he says he's contacted the traveler, and then she walks away with him, and he disappears around uh, as as she rounds the corner of a hallway. Right, which and, um... is oddly reminiscent of our setup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so that's how she knows to tell Picard about the Traveler and that they should get in contact with the Traveler. Which and, um, is ultimately inconsequential because of this being like a pocket universe. <laughs> right, sure, sure. Um, although it apparently is of consequence in the other universe. I guess, I guess the goal in both universes is exactly the same. 
which is just i guess a timing thing where we need to introduce the idea reintroduce the idea of the traveler but we yeah. can't cut to the other universe yet because it's not the time for that so the only purpose of this is just to get the audience primed to be thinking about the, the traveler right fluff yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so um crusher and picard sit down and you know, I guess wait to get to the star base. And um, there's actually been a lot of theories for, for decades now about uh, exactly what Crusher was going to say to Picard before he, before he disappeared here. Mm -hmm. uh, and thankfully, this is a, a, an exclusive, a Ready Room exclusive. I actually have an earlier draft of the script that I um, borrowed. Really? Never returned. Yeah. Um, so we can dispel any rumors right now. She was actually going to tell Picard that she was Force-sensitive. I see how that would be a um, a booming revelation. Yes, and it is definitely something that you would tell someone when you think you or they are about to die. The most dramatic moment. Mm -hmm. I'm Force-sensitive. Captain, I ran a scan on my bio-readings, and my midichlorians are off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, Picard disappears. I like before she can say it. The uh the computer. It's like do a constant readout of, of, of my vital signs. Picard says this. And um mm -hmm. you know, when it's the camera's zoomed in on Crusher, the computer stops and that's like the uh the sign that Picard's gone. But I was yeah. watching with subtitles while I with the sound off with only subtitles on while I did more important things, and the mm -hmm. subtitles say computer stops. Which really helped me identify the uh, dramatic turn of the scene. Um, we also get a lot of, uh, uh, going forward from this point, a lot of, computer, do this for me. Solve this, solve solve the episode for me. Yeah, it's... Sorry, I don't know that one. Uh, <laughs> and that's what the computer says. It is. That's that's very true to, to the show. Um, but... It becomes a one-woman show for several scenes, and uh, this... a minstrel show even. Yes, yes. Given uh, Gates's advanced age at the time, now this is where um, the writers kind of encapsulated the the conceit of the episode in one line. Um, Crusher says something to the effect of, because she's like thinking out loud, trying to work through the problem. She says, "Maybe it's not mm -hmm. something wrong with me, but something wrong with the universe." Mm -hmm. which really just nailed the vibe of the uh, the insanity of your general white woman that uh, <laughs> we really wanted to convey. Yeah, that was kind of our mission statement. I think that line was written before anything else. It's like, how do we lead up to this, and where do we go from here? And the episode yeah, all in service of this it. one. Yeah. One line. Which worked out well. We, we, Amazingly. We, you really get into the um, the mindset of somebody who thinks that, well, the entire universe revolves around them. <laughs> oh my god, I'm trying with great vigor to... Um, I had, see, the thing is, I have my notes on my iPad here. Mm -hmm. And on an iPad, if you swipe from the bottom of the screen, it kicks you back to the home screen so you can yeah, open up yeah, another app. No. And I'm just sitting here, like, rubbing up the screen trying to do that so I can go access my notes, but I can't yeah, the, find the, the update, the update, the recent update, like, for some reason it makes it harder to swipe up, and I don't know why. 
It's bizarre. They, they just it's want, stupid. They just want people to fucking suffer. To fuck and suffer? <laughs> well, different different overlords want us to do that. <laughs> so it's, it's at this point that we cut back to the real world. There's another universe. rift. This one's on the bridge, and this is where... Oh, yeah, and this this is where we use the fan to it to its fullest extent. Right, so to blow Gates off her feet, which is something that Brent insisted he could also do. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress, um, because when this rift opens and ultimately closes, you start to hear voices beyond the rift of, like, Jordy and, uh, and uh, uh, Wesley um, trying to... They're like, oh, I couldn't reach her. Like, they're looking for Crusher. And this is where it becomes yeah. obvious what the audience should have known already, that she w was the one sucked into the rift, not everybody else. And then the rest of the episode happens. Yeah, so what'd you think of it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's really not much to tell, right? The Traveler shows up because he was like, I had a feeling. And then he, he diddles Wesley for a little bit. And then they both turn transparent and, and grab Crusher out. I while, think... Uh, yeah? Huh? I think it would have been better... I was better... going to say there's a... Uh, yeah. Ah. Fuck you. Go ahead. All right, go. Oh, go, you I'll, go. I'll go. No, you go. I think it would have been better if Wesley had mentioned the Traveler offhand. Um, he's like, oh, that was this guy's assistant. That's where I got this. That's why I'm trying to blah, blah, blah. And um, he incidentally... Because he's already demonstrated uh, the potential for the Traveler's powers. He incidentally starts to like you know feel it or go beyond the math, whatever the Traveler says. And then the Traveler like flickers into the scene transparently <laughs> without having been fully, you know, introduced and brought on board and described. You know, it's more um, incidental, making it a more Wesley-driven thing. And uh, his connection to the Traveler is then... It's pretty explicit, but it's more implied than uh than what yeah. we get here sure because it's just a lot of well, cosmic I mean, that, that's... bullshit of like oh wesley you need to go beyond the numbers and feel <sighs> like whatever <laughs> well if they didn't if they didn't introduce these concepts then you know where would we be with star trek picard you know where would we be wesley wouldn't be able to to come back as a traveler and talk about how amazing he is can't wait for him to liberate all those uh, Native Americans in space in six seasons. <laughs> so, um, yeah, th there is a little bit of a ticking clock introduced where Crusher realizes that the... First of all, she realizes that she's the idiot. Right, and, which um, is some comeuppance I didn't expect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also co completely unrealistic. Right. Well, it is and science fiction. <laughs> she also realizes that the the universe she's stuck in is collapsing on itself. The Enterprise is being eaten away, mm. uh, which I thought I thought was like uh, cool and kind of creepy. How how the computer's just like, oh yeah, the the ship just doesn't exist in that part now. It's like matter of factly. It's kind of terrifying. Yeah, that was cool. But the shot of her like running down the hallway chased by the edge of the universe was like a little silly to me a little bit yeah well it looked stupid right i don't know why they felt the need to make it a um like a monster movie like oh i gotta um 
lock the door before the universe gets me. Um, <laughs> whatever, but it, it shouldn't have been like a bright blue. Yeah, to match her, you know, if, her if anything. Coat. But um, the idea of like the universe closing in on her is is interesting. That this pocket universe yeah. is uh, shrinking. But luckily, Wesley and the Traveler make it in time, save her, and they really show up Jordy, who was just you know, unrightfully a dick. <laughs> well, no, maybe maybe he should have been more of a dick, and Wesley would have stopped doing his experiment and could have saved them all all the time and trouble. That's true. What was the point of this experiment? Like, what what did we gain by putting Crusher in so much danger? Uh, nothing actually. Oh, cool. <laughs> I, I I think I think it was uh I think it was just to like improve engine efficiency or something, something nebulous like that. Now, when you say engine, do you mean the the villain from Crash Team Racing? <sighs> what engine is is that is that really a character in Crash Team Racing? Of course it is. Do you think I'd lie about this? Who played Crash Team Racing? Uh, people with taste. Mmm. Mmm. I bet you played Mario Kart. That's a slight. I'm slighting you. No, I, I play Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. Sonic and All-Stars. That's the name of it. it wouldn't you know? <laughs> My favorite All-Star, Danica Patrick. <laughs> uh you know me i'm one of the all-stars which really just brings Ain't us no. back to smash mouth yeah <laughs> a fate we can never escape so crusher gets saved and uh the episode ends yeah wesley is um once again implied to be the chosen one which is <laughs> yeah Perhaps yeah, is. the strangest well that the series keeps coming back to. Like, there's a lot of mysticism in um, Deep Space Nine, but introducing it into TNG is uh, was always a bit tonally off to me. What did you say? I wasn't even paying attention. Mysticism. Yeah, what about it? It's There's a lot of it in Deep Space Nine, but this small flavor of it in TNG was always off to me because the whole traveler yeah, sure. wesley thing is you don't think there's, there's there's mysticism in that i don't know i mean it feels like q shit uh maybe it's the way the traveler talks but to me it, it felt more mystic like um like that pizza mystic pizza i'm pretty sure that's the name of a film now i gotta look this up otherwise yeah, in boston Oh, so you know. Why do you sound so skeptical? Look, you are the worst person to do a podcast with. <laughs> 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 yes, it's a, it's a 1988 American romantic comedy dash drama film. Mystic Pizza? Yeah. Fuck. You just said it was set in Boston. I was joking. I am going to lose my fucking mind. Mystic Pizza. This is a real movie. 
It's set in Connecticut, you dumb shit. You said it was Boston. <laughs> you said that. You're the one who knows about it. I know the title. Do you think I know about anything that I reference? You didn't watch it? No. All right, how about this? The film received positive reviews with Roger Ebert declaring at the time, I have a feeling that Mystic Pizza may someday become known for the movie stars it showcased back before they became stars. Um, There's Julia Roberts. Vincent D'Onofrio. Matt Damon. Matt Damon not in this movie. Matt Damon was in this movie. I am not seeing him in the starring section of... Because he wasn't starring. Oh, he was just <laughs> That's in it? the thing. Yeah. Oh. He, he He's credited as Steamer Windsor, which I believe is a sex act. <laughs> Cleveland, inverted commas, Steamer Windsor. <laughs> um, who else? Anyone else notable? Joanna Merlin was in it, and I know that she was uh, famous for all those, um, you know, Camelot tales. It's <laughs> <laughs> on the edge of my seat waiting to say that myself. <laughs> all right, I take it all back. You're a pretty good podcasting partner. There's William R. Moses, who was... <laughs> Famous for uh, farting that sea. <laughs> Playing Tim Travers and Mystic Pizza. Now, um, the titular pizza. We I need more details. There is no section on the Wikipedia article about the pizza. Maybe the, the restaurant is called Mystic Pizza. Yeah, it's the restaurant's called Mystic Pizza because it takes place in Mystic, Connecticut. Okay. <laughs> So wouldn't every pizza place in the general... Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I don't need to know. Well, it's... I'll grant them the artistic license. It's, it's, it's a pretty common practice to name your pizza joint after the town. Yeah? Do you know yeah. how many um, Tokyo pizzas I pass on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Well, Tokyo's different, isn't it? Uh, it's built different, for sure. It's, it's uh, too big to be a city, too small to be a prefecture. But it's got heart. It's about family. Tokyo is about family. You walk down the street, everyone knows your name. <laughs> <laughs> Homeless men accost you. <laughs> Homed men also accost you. <laughs> Um, mostly men accost you yes yes right do you think Bob Costas was ever accosted accosted by Bob Costas I think that was the name of his show either that accosted, or just just comma. his just his uh, interviewing technique what did he cost us <laughs> god god damn why are they Portuguese-American teenage girls? That is strange, isn't it? It's a very specific ethnicity, the Portuguese. I don't think Portuguese is an ethnicity. <laughs> Nationality, what have you. It's a really a matter of perspective. But Mystic I... Pizza is or was a real place. The restaurant? Yeah. I think. Well... 
it might have sprung up in the wake of the film's popularity. Yeah, I, I think it did, actually. It's kind of like, um, what is the name of that? Uh, Scranton in Pennsylvania. Or like Scrotum? Scrotum. Scranton, where it, a, a production mentions it, and now that's the whole town's identity. Yeah. You got people whose um, grandfathers have built a lineage on souvenir shops. And they pass that down for for generations. My God, yeah, like it's disgusting to me that Scranton, Pennsylvania, probably gets like tourism now. Yeah. Oh, my grandpappy has been selling the office mugs for for years, and then my father <laughs> sold them too, and now it's my calling in life. Welcome to Scranton. We're wacky here, the Electric City. I, uh, we always come back to the office now, don't we? Yeah. Well, that's, that is, that is what started this podcast. You're right. We're, uh, blood bound to them. And, uh, ne um, never the two shall meet, they say. Well, Jenna Fisher now owes me sex. Well, you've been on that kick for, for like a decade now. <laughs> for 50 years. Jenna! Jenna! She she uh she hit the wall at lightning speed, huh? Yeah, um, like one of those crash test dummies. <laughs> this is where um one of us would sing that song. Mm -hmm. There we go. Just according to the script. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is it. Yeah, um, we're we're petering out also at lightning speed, much like Jenna Fisher. Um, we, we we need to assign saucer steps. Um, wavering between three and a half and four, I'm gonna go with three and a half. I'm gonna go with three and a half too. Yeah, no, it uh, not it, bad. It the the fifteen episodes, fifty Jesus, the fifteen minutes, maybe ten minutes, uh, at the end of the episode just kind of don't work for me. But otherwise, it's really good. Yeah, I agree with that. It it's um good. It's great up to a point, and then it just is kind of mediocre. Yeah. But I'm happy that Crusher did get a spotlight episode. Um, I think in general, it's a rather yeah. I know it's about time underutilized character. But um, when it was what was her name? The other doctor. I'm I'm blanking here. Pulaski. Pulaski, right, right. When uh, we had Gates featured as Pulaski, um, mm -hmm. that character had more than than Crusher really ever did. Just I know in, it's pretty in, crazy in that one season. So, but don't worry. I'm sure next week we'll get another Luxwana episode, and uh, we'll be back to what makes Trek great. <laughs> Wait, seriously? No, no. God, I hope not. I mean, maybe. I haven't looked at what the next episode is. Ah, uh, Luxwana, I need you to have sex with this Ferengi. Engorged ah. <laughs> <laughs> love bud. That's the, the Air Bud sequel we've never gotten. It's really deserved. Uh, dogs would be harmed. They, they, they might be giants. They, they might be. Maybe. What do you got for me on trivia? What's on deck? Okay. 
There is this is a TNG question. All right. There's a particular creature, non-sapient creature, let's say, that makes recurring appearances in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Okay. Non-sapient. Named Livingston. Named Livingston. And uh, what is it? A non-sapient creature named Living. Is it referred to by name? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not, at least not that I remember. So is this like, like there's a prop creature and the crew referred to it as Livingston? No, 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 no. In in universe, the creature's name is Livingston. And it's not sapient. It's not sapient. Well, I know Data's cat is not named Livingston. But maybe it is. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say... I will say, we've already seen it several times at this point. Could it be one of the fish? Maybe not. Uh, I, I'm really, I want to get this one. I'm thinking really hard. And, and, and you, you will have to tell me, you know, which, which of the main cast it, it, it relates to. Much like Data's cat. Right, right, right. If the answer is Data's cat, this is going to be masterful obfuscation <laughs> on your part. Um, uh, what are the other non-sapient creatures? I'm like kind of going through by character. Jordy, Picard's fist and Data's cat are like the front runners because those are just the first two that are possibilities that come to mind. Um, I know that. Janeway has a dog, but I think you said TNG. Mm. Does Riker have a non-sapient creature? Does anybody have like a like a vegetable grandfather? <laughs> Maybe a tribble. Yeah, just a lone tribble, the one without trouble. They they fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> we patched it out. Patch notes the the tribbles no longer have any troubles. <laughs> oh lord! You know now that I think about it, I don't think I do know the name of Data's cat. So, but they, we have not seen oh. Data's cat at by this point, so that can't be it. You're right. Well, no, you, wait, no. You, you figured it out with His, facts and logic. It's Spot. I remember that because yeah. I always thought that should be the name of a dog. You're right. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's that's the whole reason behind the name because it's silly right data cats into anything human so he calls his cat spot instead silly data silly data um will troy oh picard's picard's horse that he summons in the holodeck that's a great guess but no damn it all right what picard's fish picard's lionfish fucking hell <laughs> I outdid myself. But I never would have gotten lionfish, to be fair. Oh, yeah, I would have accepted Picard's fish. It's always a lionfish. <sighs> never when tells it the shows truth. Up. Mm, oh, very good, very good. Um, but I'll I'll take the L on this one. I'm annoyed that I had to I had to scrape the bottom of the barrel this week because nothing happened this episode that was like funny or interesting. You could have, like, what exact dates did uh, Gates start menopause? That would have been a good piece of trivia. <laughs>
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she's uh, she's published that information somewhere. Well, you know, all celebrities want to get the information on not just their cycles, but the end of that out so that fans can, um, you know, know when and when not to ask for uh, autographs. I'm I'm wondering what I should do with this Star Trek X-Men book, because, like, on the one hand, I could read, like, a chapter live, <laughs> because they're only, like, five pages long. Or if I should just read it and, like, just come up with a bunch of trivia for it. It's both are possible, but do you think you'd get, like, one page in and then get really self-conscious, like, oh, this isn't as funny as I thought it would be? Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Stop. Yeah, but it's it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be funny. Alright, well, you can vet the chapters beforehand to, uh... Yeah, I guess I'll read a few. Because I already I already read the first chapter, and it's fucking stupid. I'm shocked. Like, the, the X-Men teleport onto some ship, and they're like, oh, where is uh, Jean-Luc Picard? And then uh, the person on that ship says, who? You know what a palm light is? Uh, is that the thing in Logan's run? Where they had the the that stone in their palms that lights up. I what? No, well, that's a real thing. Well, it's a real thing in the fake movie, but um, is this a what is this a Korean movie? Logan's Run. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it's Korean, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's uh, I think it's starring uh, Soon Young. And uh, hey, I just I just want to read you the uh, the, the the first sentence because I, I, I found it really funny. I just want to go on. Okay. I do know All what right, a palm ahead. light is. It's those stupid flashlights that they use that never look uh, that look very unwieldy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Good. Okay. Great. Um. Actually, I just want to read you the first like ten ten words. Go ahead. Sentence. Security officer Marco Palmieri shown his palm light. <laughs> All right. Marco Palmieri shown his palm light. <laughs> That's like the beginning of an epic poem. <laughs> Why would you name him a name with palm in it? Either that or uh, an instance of Darmok. <laughs> Palmieri, his palm light shown. Woo lad. Well, that's going to be it for this episode with that vexing little bit of uh, expert writing. Um, we're going to implore you to check out our sponsors, which include Denny's, Home of the Grand Slam, and Moons Over My Hammy. Also, the Pep Boys, which are the the beloved home of the 15-minute oil change. <laughs> and, uh, if you go to either of these establishments, you can drop the term readier for a 15% discount. What is the issue? <laughs> Don't play dumb. You know what you're doing. Like holding your foot out from behind the L, trying to to get me uh, excited. <laughs> you got me. You got me. All right, but yeah. So we dropped the term "readier" at either of these places for a fifteen percent discount. <laughs> and um, uh, until next time, everybody. Um, may your Dreams be filled with visions of sugar plums and Storm and Troy shaking hands. And uh, until we meet again, please stay ready. The Troublesome Little Man Child. I stand before you defrocked, condemned to be a member of this lowest of species. Thank you, Anson. Engage.
Have you never dreamed of climbing inside the bottle? 